You are listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, where it's all about responding with confidence to the legal, financial, and personal challenges created by disability, unexpected illness, or simply aging in general. Join us weekly as elder law attorneys Tim Takis, Barbara McGinnis, Chris Johnson, and other members of the Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law Team talk about the tools, techniques, strategies, and services that will make the elder care journey easier for everyone involved. Get ready, because aging starts now. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Aging Starts Now. I'm Deborah King, one of the elder care coordinators at Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law. Today we are talking about the danger of falls and things you can do to reduce your risk. Joining me for the discussion is Kathy Fagan, one of the owners of Fagan Geriatric Wellness and Rehab. Welcome, Kathy. Thanks, Deborah. Thanks for having me. Well, Kathy, uh, we work with seniors and elders a lot. How dangerous are falls in the elderly population? Well, if you look uh, um, on the internet, the CDC will tell you right away that falls are one of the most um, dangerous things for our elderly population in the sense that one out of every falls results in a hospital stay and an emergency room visit. Um, So the CDC says that about 3 million older people every year are treated for fall-related injuries. One of the most serious of those injuries is a hip fracture. And we know as physical therapists, one of the things that we see in our practice is the difficulty recovering from a hip fracture for our older um, population. So we want to prevent serious injuries like hip fractures and traumatic brain injuries, which tend to be the number one and number two injuries that we see after a fall in the elderly population. And we see that a lot in our practice as well. And oftentimes that can be the jumping point into long-term care services. So we agree that we need to do what we can to prevent and reduce the risk of falls. So where do most falls happen? The CDC and and our research says that most falls truly happen in the home. So our uh, practice has focused on trying to uh, make sure that homes are accessible and safe for our elderly population. One of the things um, that we're seeing in our practice is that more older adults are moving in with and living with family members, which we think is wonderful. However, um, a house that is set up for and accessible for young children and young adults is not necessarily safe or accessible for an older person. Um, And the family doesn't think about that in advance before bringing their older family member into the home. So we're trying to catch those um, moves early to see if we can help set the home up in advance to make it safer for our, our elderly population. What types of things do you do or what do you look for in the home to make it safe? We look for accessibility issues first. Are there stairs leading into the home? If there are, are there handrails? And are those handrails placed appropriately and at the correct height? 
We look for um, things like throw rugs on the floor that could catch on the back of a walker or another assistive device. We look for um, issues with our uh, elderly people who have low vision or vision problems. There are uh, things that we can do to make contrast, uh, higher contrast in their surroundings so that they can tell when a floor surface is changing from one, from a slick surface to a, 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 a carpeted surface or something of that nature that their shoes might stick to. Uh, so we try to we try to look at um, specifically the person that's coming into the home and what their needs would be. In general, we also look at rooms that everybody would be using. The bathroom, for instance, is there an accessible shower or bathtub? Uh, is there a, you know a non-slip surface to make sure that we're not going to have falls in the bathroom? Which, when we talk about where falls occur in the home. That's the most common places in the bathroom. So we try to make sure that there are grab bars in place um, and that there are non-slip surfaces and that everyone is aware of the dangers as well. So you mentioned low vision as being a possible problem related to falls. What other um, are, what are some of the other common causes of falls? So some of the other things that we see are just general balance and um, strength deficits uh, uh, for our older patients. A lot of times what we see in practice is that our older um, patients are moving in with their families after they've had a prolonged illness or a hospital stay. So they come home weaker than they were before. Uh, they have some balance issues as well that need to be dealt with. Um, we also see uh, medication issues that can cause falls. So a lot of people are taking not only medications that can make them dizzy or drowsy, but they are taking several of them a day. Uh, so that can certainly lead to increasing their risk of falls. Um, some minor things, things that we wouldn't think of as being a major deficit, but even things like vitamin D deficiency can weaken your immune system and cause decreased strength and lead to falls in your home. So we try to um, you know, look at each person individually and figure out what their risk factors are and try to eliminate those risk factors individually. Wow, that's a lot of things that I wasn't aware of. And I, I, you often overlook the medication issues, the weakness after a hospitalization or rehab stay. So you talked a little bit about moving into the, the family home or with, into the home with the children. What about um, our, our little our families that stay in the old home where it was built 30, 40, 50 years ago? Right. And, and in a lot of cases, those homes need modification as well. Um, again, we, we just don't move as well when we're older as we do when we're younger. So those four or five steps down uh, into the, the um, den level didn't seem like mm -hmm. a big in our 30s, but when we're in our 70s, we need handrails for those things. Uh, so we certainly go into those homes and look at modifications as well. Um, one of the big things that we run into in older homes is that doorways are not wide enough mm -hmm. to accommodate walkers or wheelchairs or other assistive devices, and modifications need to be made there. Um, we also see uh, in older homes that uh, people have collected a lot of 
things, especially furniture and larger items uh, around the house. And walkways can be um, limited because of those large pieces of furniture or items that are displayed on tables that you're mm-hmm. very proud of and want to look at all day, but they become uh, a, a fall risk as your mobility declines. Uh, so we talk about opening up walkways and moving, you know, moving some of those larger pieces of furniture that aren't necessarily in use any longer um, out of the out of the um, common areas. And then we also look at rugs and uh, flooring surfaces at, in general, make sure carpet's not fraying, make sure there's not cracks in the tile, make sure that there are um, appropriate thresholds between rooms and between uh, flooring surfaces uh, to prevent tripping and falling as well. So a lot of things you can do in the home to prevent falls. Mm -hmm. Um, Talk to me a little bit about, you said, strengthening and exercise. Um, I've seen some things recently with therapy working on balance as well. What does a person have to do to get involved with therapy And what kinds of things do you do with them? Sure. So in the state of Tennessee, physical therapists need a uh, physician's referral to work with patients uh, in physical therapy for their insurance to pay for it. Now, at at Fagan Geriatric, we, we do wellness and rehabilitation. So we do have clients who come see us without seeing the doctor and they pay cash for services. Um, but with, if we're going to build insurance, then we require a physician's order. And you can get a doctor's order for therapy for something as simple as uh, I, I'm not feeling as strong and I've noticed that I'm having balance issues and I would like to be further evaluated. So as a therapist, what I'm looking for is any um, change in joint structure or joint mobility that could lead to falls. I'm looking at muscle strength in general, as well as in specific uh, joints and surfaces. I'm looking at all of the input systems for your for your balance uh, in your body, which includes your vision, your vestibular system, and then the um, proprioceptive input that you're getting from your feet and ankles. So we do a full body assessment for our patients with who are having balance deficits. It's not just um, come in and see if we can walk across the floor and, and, and work on your walking. We, we do a full body assessment and work on um, lots of different factors. We do see some uh, elderly people come in who truly have uh, vestibular problems. They have problems with their inner ear that we can treat as well. Um, so there, there are lots of different things that can cause balance deficits and lots of things that we can do to address those specific problems. What I don't, um, what I think one of the problems that we have, I think it's wonderful that we are more conscious of and aware of as a society that this is a problem. But I think one of the things that that I have seen as a therapist over the last few years develop is that people are um, exercising more. However, they're not exercising specifically. So it's great to exercise every day. But if you have a balance deficit and you're not doing the correct exercises, those exercises are not going to make your balance better. So we, you know, I, I really encourage our older people who are having any deficits to seek the advice and, and get a, an evaluation by a physical therapist so we can look at the total body systems to actually figure out what's causing the problem. Oh, that that's really good. And, and we totally support the prevention aspect rather than 
waiting until something happens and trying to rehabilitate. Um, I have a few more minutes. I'm just going to deviate a minute and ask you about, are there specific things for patients with dementia that you can do to help make them safe and possibly prevent falls? Sure. You know, generally when you're working with a patient with dementia, most of our um, education is geared towards the caregiver who's going to be with that person the majority of the time Mm -hmm. and the things that they can do to encourage safety. Now, one one of the things that we have found in our dementia population is that some of the issues that cause balance problems like vestibular and proprioceptive or the the input that's coming from the feet and ankles, some of those things are actually reflexive. And if we get them into a good therapy program with the right exercises and the caregiver is able to do the exercises with them at home as well, that we can retrain some of those reflexes. So that is an option if that's what's causing their balance issues. But generally, we're working with the caregiver on how to set up the home safely. You know, when do you need to have alarms? When do you not need to have alarms? Uh, When do we need to change the locks on the door? You know, when do we need to start hiding keys and things of that nature? Um, so, so we're working really closely with the caregiver. I do like the new, um, a lot of our caregivers are now using, um, Google home or Alexa in ways that we never thought possible before where they can actually, you know, drop in and look in on their, um, family members and whatever room they're in and see what they're doing. So they can kind of keep an eye on them without being intrusive or letting mm-hmm. Um, their their uh, family member know that they're really keeping as close an eye on them as they are. Uh, so lots of different things that we can do with our patients with dementia, but it's it's encouraging that some of the things that can cause balance problems are reflexive and can be retrained, even if uh, even if the patient has dementia. That that's really good information, and I could sit here and we could chat for another 30 minutes about all of the ins and outs and worries that people have about falling. Um, Let me see. Let me touch briefly on one thing if you can. So someone who's had a fall and maybe had an injury or hospitalization um, and they're still cognitively intact, they get this big fear of falling. Do you see that a lot? We absolutely do. Um, And fear of falling is actually one of the risk factors for increasing your risk of fall later. So Mm -hmm. we certainly see that in our patients. There are standardized rating scales to rate fear of falling. um, That Look at what specific areas are are most fearful. For instance, uh, in the home setting, do I feel comfortable um, getting the cereal bowl out of the cabinet? Do I feel comfortable answering the phone or do I feel like I'm going to fall when I try to answer the phone? So it looks at very specific areas in the home so that Uh we know as therapists what what it is truly that's making them scared and we can start making modifications to those specific activities. So is it something as simple as we need to get you a portable phone or a cellular phone that'll clip onto your belt or you have a pocket to put it in and keep it with you so that you're not trying to race across the room to the phone that's hanging on the wall. Mm -hmm. So there are some standardized tests that we can use. Um, and look at very specific areas that cause fear of falling to try to address those. Excellent. I did not know that. So another way to be proactive is to get those evaluations done. 
Well, as I said, Kathy, I could go on and on and on, but we're going to end here. I'd like to thank all of our listeners for listening today. Take as McGinnis is a life care planning law firm helping families respond to the legal and financial challenges caused by chronic illness or disability of an elderly loved one. Join us next week for another episode of Aging Starts Now. Thank you for listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast. For more information about today's show, visit tn-elderlaw.com, click on the free resources tab, and then click on Aging Starts Now. You'll find the show notes there. And while you're at it, why not check out all the free resources available at tn-elderlaw.com? Document downloads, the Takeus McGinnis blog, educational videos, informative articles, helpful links, a TV show, and more. It's all there free for the taking. If you enjoy listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, please subscribe, rate the show, or leave us a review. It's easy to do on whatever app you use to listen. We would love your feedback on the show. Aging Starts Now. We'll be back next week with more candid discussions about challenges created by aging, disability, and unexpected illness. 